0: This weekend in Retronauts, it's time to talk about the wizard. This weekend uh, to see this panel. Um, I'm Gary Parrish, co host of Retronauts. With me also is
1: Chris Sims, occasional guest on Retronauts, right here in Greensboro, North Carolina.
0: Yeah! And uh, we're here with a special guest this weekend uh, none other than Luke Edwards, one of the stars of The Moogie the Wizard. Hey guys. Yay! So, uh,
2: You were telling Chris that you don't come to a lot of gaming conventions, is that right? Uh, I I don't. Um, This this might be my mm, second.
0: Oh, really? Uh, So, you know, when you were recording and filming the movie 28, 29 years ago, did you you stop at any point and think, you know, I'm going to be sitting in a
2: hall full of people talking about this movie 30 years (laughs) ago? Uh, I I didn't have... That thought didn't occur to me. Uh, The, uh, you know... uh, The possibility is out there, I suppose,
3: but no, I never
0: thought thought it would be. Well, just to add a little context here before we get started, um, I'm sure everyone here in the room knows what The Wizard is, but of course it was a film produced back in the late 80s, uh, I don't know, was it like Bankroll by Nintendo or something? There's a very strong presence of Nintendo, specifically Nintendo, not just video games in that movie.
2: Um, yeah, well, they were they did bankroll it. They were they were involved mm-hmm. at, at that time. You know, uh, product involvement with film was way way different. Mm-hmm. So they um, you know they they were involved, but they weren't involved to the degree that companies are now. Right. So they you know in, in a lot of instances they just handed off. Products. Instead. So, like, find a way to get this into the movie. Include this, okay. and we'll be happy. Which is which is how you
0: end up with kind of weird things like um, Nintendo games and arcades. I mean, right. some of that existed to a certain degree, but
2: <laughs> not quite to the degree that you see in this movie. Right. Right. Yeah. when, when we watched it uh, last night, it, you know, I, I remembered that you know all of the the cabinet games that that those games didn't exist. Right. Uh, <laughs> So I, I guess some some did. I mean, maybe you could find Contra. Yeah, know? there
0: was there was something called the PlayChoice 10 where they would take right. you know the NES games and they would put them into like a, a pay for time system where you could try them out. It was basically mm-hmm. like before video rentals existed, right. you know, video game rentals. Right. That right. was how you went and tested. Do I want to play the new Mario game? Right. Uh, but right. not all of those games necessarily showed up in the PlayChoice 10 system. So <laughs> you know, if you're someone who's cataloged this kind of thing and chronicled it. You, you notice some little things like, oh, they took some liberties there. But that's okay, you know, Back to the Future 2 had Wild Gunmen, and that's not the real <laughs> of wild gunman in that movie,
2: so I think I think a certain level of uh, Hollywood bakery is expected with this sort of thing. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know, uh, video games at that time were still, you know, pretty marginal. I and mean, it was getting big, but it was, you know, still pretty marginal. Yeah, they were kind of clawing
0: their way back from the edge of defeat. And so, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, this was kind of a big moment for, for video games in a way. It was a, a major Hollywood production focused around video games, and not in the sense of Tron, where it was all sort of fanciful, like the idea of the video games, but actual video games, actual companies, and, you know, not only that, but sort of their, their role that they had in kids' lives at that point. Like, yeah. There is a, an element of, you know, very genuine passion with the, I think, the kids you see in the movie, I think, that everyone out there who's watching the movie in 1989 could be like, I get that. I I relate to that. I know that game. I
1: love that game. We were on the way over here um, this morning, and Jeremy and I were talking, and I told him that watching it again a couple days ago, it actually makes the movie feel less commercial, because it's not just one company's games. It's not just, like, People only talk about Nintendo. You know, you've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there, you've got Double Dragon in there. Uh, obviously, Super Mario Bros. 3 is the big centerpiece, but it does. It weirdly feels very realistic to being a kid and you don't know about corporate divisions, you just
2: know about. Video games. Right? Right.
1: And I thought that
4: was actually really cool in retrospect. Because
2: right? <laughs> yeah. you don't you would never see that today. Right, that's that's the you know, the the difference between then and now is it would be strictly Nintendo products, right, if they were involved. Yeah, we were
1: talking about a uh, uh, Wreck It Ralph and how that's the closest you can come, but even in that movie, like the, the major games that you see are all like made up. They're all they're all fake games made up by Disney. So it's not, like you, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, look at Ralph. I'm familiar with that character and like him. It's like this is the first time you're encountering him.
0: So look, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the role that you played in the movie and uh, just kind of, I guess, the experience of playing Jimmy uh, in, in, in The Wizard? Because you're kind of the main character in a sense, but, but not you don't have, well, obviously, like the biggest speaking role or anything, but you're always like, the, the movie starts with you and it's about your journey
2: Hollywood kind of I guess seen through the eyes of Fred Savage's character right yeah Yeah, I mean it is it is kind of you know it's kind of strange it's the uh titular character and but then I say you know maybe 10 things in the whole movie (laughs) and you know it's it is mostly about the the world around him as he's you know he's not you know he's kind of passive um So yeah, it was uh, it was my first um, you know feature role, um, first studio film. Um, You know I was I was eight years old. I had been acting for very long, maybe a year, and um, so it was a it was a big job. Of course, also for me at the time, I was really oblivious to pretty much everything and anything that didn't involve G.I. Joes or. you know, transformers, or whatever. Um, so I, I, didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> it didn't really, it didn't really mean that much to me, you know, at the time. It was until kind of later that, you know, the perspective of who these people are and you know the, the scale of everything. <laughs> um, so, uh, but for me, you know, as a kid, as an eight-year-old, it was it was fun. We tripped around, you know, we we went around to all around Nevada and you know, Northern California and um, of course LA and stuff and we got to do fun stuff pretty much every day. Uh, you know, I mean, making movies is often really tedious. There's a lot of downtime but uh, when we got to do stuff, it was fun stuff. So, you know.
0: So you say there was a lot of downtime. Did you feel that downtime playing video games? I mean, <laughs> since, since the movie is about video games, I, I'm wondering like, The Nintendo Supply, you know, the the craft trucks and everything with like Ah. video games you could go play while you're waiting for your food. I
2: only wish. (laughs) 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 Well, the kind of, you know, the cruel thing about being a a kid actor is when you have downtime, you have to go to school. Um, uh, You're only required to um, do three hours of school every day, which is like a lot less school. But when you're working it into a you know nine and a half ten hour workday, um, most of the free time you get, mm-hmm. you you know you're in the in the schoolroom with the set tutor. So so when you
0: think back on production of The Wizard, you mostly think about homework. <laughs> there was a lot of that.
2: <laughs> there were um, you know all, all the times, all the instances in the film where my character is playing a video game. Uh, it was all a tape, mm-hmm. and it was all the, uh, it was a TV and a VCR and a tape of someone else playing. Just you know, kind of cruel for an eight-year-old experience for an eight-year-old. Um, but there were times where we were shooting in arcades, and so the downtime when we were in arcades was great <laughs> because then I could play games, and they would open they would open up the front of the game, so I could just you know, uh, and hit the dip switch around. Right? Yeah. <laughs> play basically. So when you were playing uh, arcade games on, on film,
0: was that actually due playing? Yeah. I, you playing? Know, because I, I know one of the, the famous anecdotes for movie War Games is that Matthew Broderick was a very, very method actor and really went out and learned how to play Galaga so he could be an expert. <laughs> I'm sure that was like really hard work for him. You know, uh, you know, uh, it's getting, uh, getting <laughs> research. <laughs> but, you know, so, so then he's actually playing. He's like, I want to be convincing. I want to play well. Did, did you have that opportunity or was that all still tape? Not at all.
2: I would have loved to <laughs> get really good at lots of games but uh, I, you know I, I think that they're you know I, I think they're thinking about it was that we don't want him to like space out you know on gaming and, and be focusing on yeah, yeah. what we're here to do that makes make sense make a movie yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah uh, it was at all in, in almost every instance you know where it's on screen it was a take I understand why they would do that because you don't want to get actors distracted right.
1: by playing a video game you don't want to get them absorbed right. but I feel like for, for the character of Jimmy, like, Jimmy is absorbed by the video games, is it more difficult to
2: pretend to be playing in that context? <laughs> that was the challenge well, you know, uh, not only that but <laughs> the, whoever they had whoever they had taped playing the game in my opinion, was not very good. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm just sort of a captive audience. I have to watch this person
1: <laughs> in my mind make mistakes. You know, and like screw it up. And you know, I'm going like I could do
2: this better. <laughs> um, but of course, that's you know, nobody's actually focusing on. <laughs> what the, the you know character was doing in the game. But it was a challenge. It was a challenge. It was hard. It was,
1: you know, frustrating. I'm actually really curious as to what the audition process was like. Because like you said, you know, maybe ten lines in the movie, yeah. the word California is <laughs> said quite a bit. <laughs> uh,
2: when you went in and, and read for the part. Like, what did you read? It's, you know, um, I, I actually don't have a lot of memory of that uh, process. Um, I, I know that it was... Uh, I've, I've, I'm friends with the director, Todd, and we, we see each other on a kind of you know, semi-regular basis. He's, he's talked a lot about it, and um, what, what he has to say is really interesting because he has memory of it. I, my memory of it is so kind of spotty, you know, at eight, eight years old. Um, I do remember that he, you know, it, it, was, it was a difficult process for them, and I remember that he said that when I came in to read... Um, that I was kind of different from all the other kids in that I, I was able to be really focused. Um, you know, where like a lot of, you know, at, at eight years old, you're you know, often hyperactive or, you know, um, the thing that I came in and did was just, you know, laser focus on, you know, whatever they were trying to, you know, <laughs> whatever the material was, which I don't think we used material from the film. Because there's, there's nothing that, you know, and, that, and that's a really common practice is you know taking material from other stuff or you know maybe even writing stuff specifically for the audition. Um, you know that's, that, that happens a lot. When I, I did um, True Detective a couple years back, and they actually had me read um, Colin, uh, Collins, Colin Farrell's scene for the audition. Really, really. Intense emotional scene, uh, you know, where his, he's like talking with his ex wife about his son It's really heavy and intense. And so that's what they had me read, and it had nothing to do with the character I ended up playing. Um, but, you know, they, it's a common practice they do that, uh, especially with shows like that, because they're not, you know, they don't want to release any vital information about the show. Right. Yeah. So.
0: Feature role, and uh, you'd only been acting for about a year before that. How did how did you get into acting in the first place, and what specifically brought
2: you to this movie? Um, so I started. Um, I, I ended up going to a um, school, uh, you know, in, in the San Fernando Valley. Um, I, I went because basically the classes were free. Uh, my 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 uh, let's see, my mom had traded uh, one of the owners of the school. Uh, a massage for a, you know a class, and they kind of said to me, "Hey, you want to go to a you know acting school?" And I, you know, seven years old. I was like, I don't know, sure. Um, and I, you know, I went and and had a great time. You know, it was really, it was really fun as a as a kid. You know, I mean, acting kind of can come naturally because it's just playing make believe, right? I mean, you know, who as a kid doesn't enjoy that or just do that? you know, naturally. Um, so I, so I went and I had a great time and, and, um, you know, since I've learned that, um, this, this school is actually, um, quite accomplished. Like, e- everybody as a young actor went through this school, Leonardo DiCaprio and River Phoenix and, uh, on and on and on, just, you know, basically everybody, including, you know, to this day, a lot of our current movie stars are, uh, as kids went through this, um, through the school, so um, and the, the the people who own the school, the teachers and the, the owners um, also managed kids. So if they, um, you know, if, if they saw somebody who they felt you know something, they would set them up with an agent and uh, coach. You know, go to the actual auditions and coach us for the auditions. which is very very rare, um, and um, yeah. So I, it, I I honestly just kind of fell into it. I never had any intention had <laughs> more, you know, thought of being an actor, mm. yeah.
0: And so, this movie specifically, like, did someone come to you and say, "We think we have a role perfect
2: for you," or did your agent come to you and say, "Hey, we heard about this movie, we want to try out for it"? You know, the, the very much the, the kind of standard, uh, you know, Hollywood audition process. It's a it's a fairly big film, um, a big feature role. There's not all that many for kids, you know. Um, so it was, you know, it was a call that every kid of that age is going gonna, is gonna to go on, you know. And of course, it's a video game movie. Everybody's right. like,
0: you know. Did you know that. going into it that it was going to be, you know, so focused around video games
2: that it was going to be the debut of Super Mario Brothers 3, the, the biggest game of the year? Not at all. I did not, I knew really nothing about it. I mean, you know, <laughs> they they don't tell you much, mm. you know. They, they give you some material.
1: I feel like the age of like seven or eight years old is when you're just starting to figure out that actors exist. Like the people you see on TV aren't real. <laughs> right. So, you're at that age, and then all of a sudden you're on a, on a set with a director and a cameraman doing multiple takes. Like, Obviously, you're stuck with acting, but did that kind of... Is it possible for like an eight-year-old to be suddenly disillusioned?
2: Like, did that happen at all? <laughs> um, I didn't, you know, I, I, like I, you know, like I said, I was kind of an oblivious <laughs> kid, you know. I, I, really lived in my own, like, world, um, and so I, I, didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't watch The of years. I didn't really know who Fred was. I kind of knew of his, you know, celebrity, but I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't really have any connection to him. I definitely didn't know who Bo was. The only guy that I really knew was um, Christian, and and, um, I'm not sure, but I think it was because of Heather's. The movie Heather's, which I don't know why. If I was watching that when I was seven, I don't know why I was watching it. I I don't know. I I, I may be wrong about this, but I knew. I I remember specifically that I knew Christian. I knew who he was, and I remember interacting with him, and he was super, super nice to me. and I remember being very like, oh, that's you know, oh, cool. He's a he's a nice guy. He you know, since he doesn't always seem like a nice guy in his character. He's a really nice guy. Ah, cool. Oh yeah, we, we you kind of touched on the fact
0: that you had a very small speaking role in the, in the movie, despite the fact that you have so much screen time. Was that like something you had trouble dealing with? Like, was it frustrating? Did you did you want to speak more, or were you just kind of happy to go along with you know the assignment they gave you? Um,
2: that's a funny question. And if I can, um, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty happy doing my own thing. <laughs> um, you know, I was definitely aware that the, you know, the other performers were doing a lot, and mostly I was just kind of standing there. Um, but you know, I, I think that I was really. You know, like I said, I was—I love to be in my own world, so I was really good at just kind of entertaining myself. Um, there is so much downtime on sets. There's so much time where you kind of have to just, you know, do your own thing, and I was always really good at that. I was always like, that's fine. Leave me alone. I'll, you know, I'll, I'm going to write stories in my head about, you know, dragons and stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. It's its really funny. We were watching the movie last night, and, and there's a... Um, there's a, there's a part where we're in the, um, we're in the uh, casino and gambling and stuff and, and, and I'm watching and I'm, I'm remembering that you know I, I'm kind of standing there and I'm sure my my um, direction was to walk off with everybody and I, I didn't and I'm sure I was just spacing out and you know Fred kind of pushes me <laughs> you know he, he was kind of like are cute, like, let's go, and, you know, I was just, I really, uh, as a kid, I really, you know, I was totally in my own world, which, you know, it, it fit. It yeah, kind, that's, you know, that's, perfect for that movie. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of just worked, I, you know, I, I didn't have to do a lot, you know, outside of my, you know, my kind of natural thing.
1: <laughs> so what was it like when the movie came out? Like, did, like, did, were, did you go back to, like, school, and then kids were
2: like, hey... You're 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 in the Super Mario Three movie. (laughs) Yeah, Um, there was there was a lot of interaction with kids. They you know they all wanted the secrets and the (laughs) you know my um, I was I was promised a copy of Super Mario Three by the producers. They never gave me one. They never (laughs) all just built on (laughs) (laughs) lies. Oh Um... (laughs) <laughs> so I never had to play the game. <laughs> so when I, when I did go back to school and kids were, like, asking me about the game, you know, that's it it was, it was, it was hard. It was like, well, I haven't actually played it, so I can't tell you. It was really funny. My, my, my neighbors at the time got the game, were playing it, and got all the way to the last stage world. Okay. Couldn't beat it. And so they called me over. <laughs> they were like, "Can can Luke come over and help you know help us, basically. <laughs> and I still had never played the game. <laughs> they read your press. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I did. So the first time I ever played the game was playing the last level, <laughs> just really hard. Yes. And I just died, immediately. And they were so disappointed. Oh! <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a movie, right? <laughs> Man, you know, this is... The, it, was a, it was a much more innocent time, the early 90s. Uh, there's, there's a lot about that movie that, you know,
0: watching it yesterday, I was like, this would not fly in a movie right now. But even even the Super Mario Brothers 3 thing, um, you know, the, when the, the movie was produced, that game was already out in Japan. It took like a year and a half to come over here. So kidding. anyone who knew that could have imported a copy and, and been able to play it, but no one knew that back then because we didn't have the internet, we didn't have this this easy communication. Right. So yeah, seeing Super Mario Brothers 3 for the first time in The Wizard was kind of, like for all the Mario fans and Nintendo fans, it was kind of religious. They were like, wow. Finally, a sneak peek of this game is coming out in a few months. But you know, in Japan, they've been
2: playing it for a year already. Wow, that is so funny. I didn't. I, I had. I never knew that. I had. A, I had um, a couple um, really close friends in, in grade school who were Japanese, and they had, or you know, Japanese American. They would have the games ahead of time, uh, but it was all you know, obviously all, all in you know Japanese. So, I, so through them, I actually got to play cool games. Uh, not necessarily through <laughs> doing. This movie strange. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned the casino scene too.
0: Like, there's there's a bunch of stuff in this movie that I I look at it. And I'm like, they wouldn't be able to do this in a movie today. <laughs> you know, like the, the the um the the private eye who's constantly after Jimmy and uh, trying to take him back, like.
2: That just doesn't play well now. Oh man, it's hard to imagine. He is so creepy, (laughs) and it's 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 really like it's so so inappropriate. (laughs) You know, at at so many instances on so many levels. Um, But you know, it it just it really was a much more innocent time. You know, where (laughs) that kind of stuff flew. I, I had forgotten
1: that there is a scene in that movie where you think a man is gonna get beaten to death by four truckers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just flip the next scene with a black eye. Right.
2: Oh, but yeah, right. It was the most like, you know Yeah. They, they punched him once in the eye and that was
1: it. it was kind of <laughs> we're weird. we're done here. That's the code <laughs> of the trucker. I remember seeing that movie, and I remember seeing the, the previews for it, and I remember seeing it when I was a kid, and it made such an impression. I don't know if I've watched that movie until a couple days ago. And you said you watched it last night. But things about that movie stuck with me. Like the line, he's got all 96. I was like, I wish I could own 96 video games. <laughs> only, a, only a wizard could give me that kind of magic power. Uh, as you moved away from it, and, and as time went on, and it kind of became this, this thing that Kids who were growing up remembered so vividly. Like, did you go back and revisit it
2: ever? Um, I I did. I, you know, I have a I have a strange relationship with every movie I've ever done. I don't particularly enjoy watching my own work. Um, Todd, uh, the, the director, um, actually forbade me from uh, watching dailies. You know, which is kind of a Sometimes a common practice, some guys don't do it at all. Um, he, he, you know, he kind of, uh, as I said, forbade me from doing that. And th- that practice kind of stuck with me. And so, um, I don't you know, it's kind of a strange, uh, there are a lot of actors who are this way, They're, you know, actors who have never seen the films that they've done. Um, so I, I, I have, it's not that extreme for me, but I kind of have a similar relationship where I don't, I don't really enjoy watching my own work. I enjoy the films. I enjoy other people's work in the films, but I don't enjoy watching my work so uh, you know as uh, in, in, like in a recreational way, I don't think I would ever revisit any of my own films or you know projects, anything. Um, the times where I do watch it is you know at at you know events, and almost every time there is one, I say. I've seen this movie a lot, and I might duck out. <laughs> and, then I, and then I sit, and I watch the beginning of the movie, and I get sucked in. And I, you know, the truth is, I actually really like this movie. It's not the greatest, you know, piece of drama ever made, but it's fun. And it's, there's so much cool, you know, for me, I mean, I grew up in the 80s. There's all this nostalgia, you know that I get sucked into, and so anyway, I, I end up watching the movie every single time, and I have a great time, and I laugh, you know.
1: <laughs> it, it's a fun movie. It's fun. It, and it's very memorable, and a thing that I really appreciate about it is it's, it's kind of in that weird overlap period between, like, video, like, movies that are obsessed with technology and video games and hopping on trends and getting into the new thing, and then this weird, like '70s aesthetic, where there's truckers and there's like kids going on an adventure and like evil adults chasing them down. It's a really
2: interestingly made and, and plotted movie, I think. <laughs> it, yeah, it really is. I, it, you know, I, I love um, I love like kid adventure movies. That's probably my favorite, you know, genre subgenre of films, you know. Like, for me, watching Stranger Things has been super fun because it's, like, you know, t- tapping into that thing, which, you know, there's not all that much of it. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, that dynamic of, like, kids going off in the world and, you know, scary world and having adventures, I love that, you know. I, I don't know. For me, it, really, it works.
1: Yeah, and I think there's... I- I think there's a little bit of the Wizard in Stranger Things season two.
2: <laughs> I think you can see it. They don't. They never. They've never made a uh, direct reference. Uh, a lot. Of, you know. A lot of shows have. Uh, I don't know if you know that show, uh, Goldberg's. Yeah. They've. They've made a couple direct. Uh, wizard references. Anyway, Stranger Things never has, but I, I keep watching for it. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little early for it. I think that the, the Stranger Things is set in nineteen eighty four. So it predates
0: the movie a bit. That's right. There's a lot of hanging out arcades in that movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome, <laughs> I, think. I mean, uh, it, sure. it definitely has that that sort of same '80s vibe that you get because arcades were a thing back then. It was a place where people went to hang out and you know uh, compete against each other and. Play around and you know just waste time like those those don't really exist anymore and certainly not in the same form that they used to. Totally. So yeah, you get you get that like that slice of light. It, it, it's also you know a time before Amber Alerts, right. and before cell phones, before you know a point where it would have been actually probably pretty easy for Jimmy's parents <laughs> to track him down and you know for his face to show up all over the news and on people's phones and so forth. Right. So yeah, it, it's it's very much like not even just with the video games, but but it really. It, Fits in a certain time, and I think it's a great sort of uh, you know
2: like a time piece that way. what do you call it? Like a time capsule. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very it's it's a very specific you know little piece of time. Yeah. I, I love you, you know the in, in Stranger Things the the high score thing you know that like that at a, at a time that was really an important thing. You know, I guess it's sort of been replaced now with you know competitive or professional you know kind of gaming but you know there was a time where it was like yeah i got the highest score i'm the coolest kid yeah absolutely the the, the last job i had my my boss
0: was someone who got into the games industry and the games press because he was a high score champion on like defender and stuff in the early 80s so yeah like that was that was a career move it was something you could build a life on right once upon a time. You know, fame.
1: Exactly. <laughs> or if you had the same three initials as someone who had done a you could probably sneak in there. There's no way to verify it. Hey, yes, yes. <laughs>
2: but you can just go to go around to all the games and find the, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah. That's me. I just,
1: I go by a different name. It's a very, very uh, no one school thing to tell people like that. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe I just revealed that I was a liar as a child. <laughs>
4: Week long carry out deal, you can carry out large three topping pizzas and now medium three topping handmade pan pizzas for $7.99 each. It's fantastic news. Cut, cut, puns? You mean pans? Calling all pan addicts for two layers of cheese on crispy golden crust. So grab your panty packs, because Domino's large three topping pizzas and medium three topping handmade pan pizzas are $7.99 each. It's pandemonium. Pantastico. Carry out only, you must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary.
0: Just because you're listening to a video games podcast doesn't mean you have to eat like video gamer stereotypes. There are many more and many healthier meal options out there than hypercaffeinated soda and junk food. Consider supplementing that all pizza diet with a subscription to HelloFresh, a meal delivery kit service that brings you fresh food prep kits to your door. HelloFresh offers great convenience. They deliver food directly to your door in compact insulated boxes. You can choose your delivery day in order to best fit your schedule. Pause your account when you won't be around. All the ingredients come pre-measured in clearly labeled meal kits with simple instructions so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. Every week, HelloFresh offers a new selection of chef-curated recipes from one of three plans to choose from. There's Classic, which includes a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce, veggie packed with plant-based proteins, grains, and seasonal produce for those who prefer a vegetarian diet, and Family, quick and easy meals crafted to please and feed an entire family. Most recipes I've tried from HelloFresh don't take much more than 30 minutes to prep and cook. There's also a 20-minute meal on the Classic menu each week for when you really don't have much time. Plus, many recipes can be made in one pot, which means you won't have to worry about endless cleanup. And if you prefer your food portable for your gaming lifestyle, the good news is that not everything from HelloFresh involves juggling lots of plates. I'm a fan of their classic Poblano beef chili, which is delicious, healthy, and fits neatly into a single bowl for convenience. Right now, HelloFresh is offering a special trial deal for Retronauts listeners so you can experience their quality for yourself. Get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting hellofresh.com and entering the code RETRONAUTS30. That's RETRONAUTS.
5: You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns, dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar, they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact, TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the TrueCar certified dealers, and on average, they save over three thousand dollars off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features
4: not available in all states. Hey humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast, right here on Podcast One, where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work. Religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery, and that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia, what does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they're okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Watch our 360 virtual reality videos on the Podcast One app and download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com.
0: touch with any of the other cast members. Have you collaborated with them on anything in the
2: years since? I, I haven't. Um I see I see Fred uh you know around town on a I don't know semi-regular basis, just just in the sense that we run into each other. Um yeah, Fred's a, a real successful comedy director these days. Okay. Yeah. Um he's done a, he, he, and it's, it's very cool. Um he's done a lot of great shows, always Sunny and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I kind of look, you know, I'll say that I look forward to the time when I can, you know, work with him again and collaborate on something. Um, I, I talk with Todd because he's, uh, you know, we, we go to events sometimes together and he is such a super, super nice guy and, um, you know, has always been really complimentary. Um, but I, I, other than that, I don't really... See anybody? Um, I have kind of a weird story about uh, Jenny. Um, I, I I haven't seen her in probably twenty years. Um, uh, it had been a long time since I had seen her since we did you know did the film together. Um, you know, just to go a little deeper. Fred Fred at the time was a huge star. Uh, the you know probably the height of of his fame, and he knew it, and um, so he was, um, you know, he was a, uh, he was a kid star, he was the biggest kid star in the world, and he behaved as you might, Um, anyway, so Jenny, Jenny and I got on really well, and we kind of, like, teamed up, (laughs) Uh, you know, so anyway, I I felt like I had a, a bond with her. And um, I didn't get to see her after and it was a long 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 time anyway I, I was at a party in LA in Los Feliz when I was like eh, 19 and I was really drunk and it ended up being her house <laughs> so, so, I, so I saw her and we had a moment Of like, oh my God, you know, so good to see you. And and, you know, however, I was I was drunk, (laughs) and so um, it wasn't it wasn't quite the reunion that I was hoping for, or that I have been hoping for for uh, since our filming. Um, So uh, you know, she's a big kind of rock star these days. Um, uh, You know, she's maybe a little hard to get to. I don't know. Anyway, I I hope to one day run into her again and have the you know the real reunion. And, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. A little these years later.
0: It's probably been interesting for you, kind of you know, just as an observer to watch some of your co-stars uh, like their 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 celebrity grow, like with Jenny, and for others to kind of subside and kind of you know vanish from the limelight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, what what has that experience been like for you to just, just kind of watch you know to chart. The careers of all these people you've worked with not just in the wizard but you know in other films like you know and, and just see how celebrity is is kind to some people and not so kind to others it's bizarre
2: <laughs> it's uh, bizarre doesn't even capture it it's so 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 strange um ben, uh, fred's brother ben um was around the set who's he was on, you know, he was around for, I, I as my memory, basically the whole shoot, Ben was closer to my age. And um, so Ben and I uh, got along really well. We, we played together a lot on set. Um, of course, after Ben, you know, did Boy Meets World. And uh, so, you know, he has his whole um, career, you know, it's great to watch. Um, and it's also, it's very, very strange um you know I got Christian Slater is you know you know he was a huge movie star at the time and has kind of then had a lull in his you know work and then shows up on uh, Mr. Robot and it's such a good show I have two um friends who are uh, former acting students who are on the show oh yeah and I love the show and they get to kind of see all my friends work again it's like oh man that is so much fun um but it's it's really strange. I have a former uh, student on Stranger Things. I get to see her in the you know in this second season. Oh my god, it's amazing to see you know people who have been trying to do it you know break right through and get a you know get a job where it's you know very visible. Um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. You know, I, I worked with um, Christian Bale. You know, before you know he was before he was back, Basically, he was. He was still a, you know, a star at the time. I mean, his first job was a huge job, so he's like a known guy, but um, obviously when you become Batman, everything changes. <laughs> um, You're Batman forever. <laughs> for better or worse. You know? um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, s- s- so many people over the years that I've, I've, gotten, I've been lucky enough to work with and yeah, to to watch their um, it's a roller coaster, you know. The, this work in this industry for everybody, it's a just a super roller coaster, you know. People who people who manage to continue to the work, they they beat the odds. It is it's insane, it's you know. <laughs>
0: So well, and you, you continue to work, you've been in stuff like True Detective <laughs> do you look back at your career and have any particular favorite standout roles? have you done anything that you really feel like yeah, this is what I was really aiming for
2: um, I feel like I'm still uh, I feel like I'm still working towards that mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean there's, there's, stuff that I, there's stuff that I enjoy more than, than others for me, the first season of True Detective was one of the best shows I had ever seen, maybe the best so, to, for me to get to do this, that show was was you know unbelievable, and to be the killer, you know, was unbelievable, unbelievable job. Um, the, <laughs> the the you know the second season wasn't all that well received. Uh, the, the The role that I actually played was I, I mean we shot this whole sequence, all this stuff oh my god, they had me stab a watermelon. All, all this stuff that we did and shot, none of it ends up in the show. So it was like, uh, you know, it was a great job. Amazing. And also super disappointing, you know, ultimately. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's stuff that I'm proud of. There's stuff that, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to be a part of. And I, I am still working towards, you know, that that thing, the you know career-defining thing, if you want to call it that. Well, it's right. good not to peak too early. You know, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a lot of my work recently has been um, also stuff behind the scenes, producing and hmm. um, writing and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm also still working towards you know creating something. Right. You know.
0: Well, you mentioned and earlier the, that, you know, when you were on the site, you'd be, like, constructing these stories about dragons and
2: stuff. Is that, you're <laughs> finally finding an outlet for those ideas? That, precisely, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 you know, creating of stories has always been going on. And, you know, more recently learning to put it, put it down on paper and put it out in the world. <laughs>
1: curious if you have over over the times you've watched The Wizard and, and obviously seeing it with seeing it with a bunch of people who are here to see the, to, to watch this movie I was about to say here to see The Wizard, that sounds very Wizard Haas. <laughs> um, like I'm sure that's a, a really cool experience but is there a moment, do you have like a favorite part of the movie from, from seeing it now as an adult?
2: My, all my favorite parts of the movie are the most ridiculous parts of the movie um, which Plentiful. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, I get such a kick out of the, the businessmen who are, who we, it's like the first p- hustle. Mm-hmm. Those guys are ridiculous. Those characters are, it's insane. Two like guys <laughs> in suits. Who were playing, you know playing a cabinet game and like very serious about it? You know, like Fred comes up and like, yeah, yeah, you guys are okay, and the guy's like, okay, I'm like a pro, like who, what, that never existed. You say that,
1: <laughs> but my dad, when I was a kid, uh, I took my uh, I took my dad lived in Ohio. I lived in South Carolina. I took my Nintendo up on one summer. When I left, he bought a Nintendo and only bought one game, and it was Doctor Mario. And he would play it every day. He loved Doctor Mario and was very intense about it. He did not look joyful playing it; it
0: was very intense.
4: It was work for him.
0: Yeah, I I have my notes that I was taking while I was prepping for this and watching the movie. What kind of world is this where businessmen <laughs> wager on video games at a truck stop? It's
4: crazy. It's insane? <laughs> when, it's you, insane. When you have all these sort
0: of plot that you sort of need to propel the story forward. Right, right. right. Or sort of you know, <laughs> kind of kind of fudge reality a little bit to get the story to where it needs to be. Right. Well, it
2: has it has to be some characters that have some money, right? It can't just be kids who have some, you know, qu- like I'll oh, bet you some quarters. That's not going to work. <laughs> it's got to be like or we can really take them for some <laughs> I just you know it's 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 maybe not even so much the creation of that character but the way that those guys played the character <laughs> it's, it's just absurd and I love I love
1: it <laughs> I think the thing that I really appreciate about that movie and, and the thing that makes it feel less like a big advertisement for Nintendo because I mean obviously there's the power glove scene there's the Mario 3 scene there's uh, Bowbridge is getting obsessed with uh, a <laughs> Station Ninja Turtles game. But, like, a thing I genuinely appreciate about the storytelling in that movie, video games aren't the solution to the problem at all. Like, it's not what Jimmy wants. It doesn't fix anything at the end. And I kind of love that, because, again, I don't think that would ever happen today. Like, to somebody from Nintendo would be like, so Mario's gonna heal this
2: child, right? And
1: that doesn't happen. He wants something completely different.
2: Yeah, we we, uh, we, were, we you know we, we talked a little bit about that last night. That you know um um you know is like what kind of person is Jimmy? Um, you know we, we talked a little bit about autism, and you know that Jimmy, you know is he autistic a little bit or a lot or or is he just you know, kind of PTSD does he just kind of have, you know um, and and you know, Joe kind of said it's probably a little bit of both, I think that's really right on, that it's probably a little bit of both so it's really interesting that you know, he, they, they go on this wild adventure and he wins this thing and ultimately Jimmy's probably mostly the same you know, he's kind of, you know there's some cathartic act where he's able to kind of like let go, you know, of this thing that, you know, is kind of haunting him, but also, (laughs) he's still in his world, you know, he's still, you know, that, so I, you know, it's, I don't know, a lot of people have asked me, like, what's the, you know, know, what happens after, what's the sequel, what, you know, what happens to to all these people, and, you know, the, the reality is, is that Jimmy is probably, you know, He probably continues to live a pretty similar, you know, experience, which is kind of, you know, it's, I don't know, it's not exactly a happy ending, you know,
0: it's a little dark. It is, but it, it's I feel like, you know, if, if Jimmy is, you know, on the the autistic spectrum, mm-hmm. like the way this movie handles it is so much better than you usually see now in Hollywood where autism becomes a superpower and you have like Sherlock or the good doctor or something where like someone has superpowers because they're they're on the spectrum and
2: that's not that's not how it
0: works. Like it you know, that, that that sort of thing is much more like what Jimmy experiences where you know, it, it just kind of disconnects him from the rest of the world. Right. So, right. yeah, like that was something that really kind of kind of caught my attention as I was rewatching it. Like, you know, with a, with more of an awareness of, of of things like that, you know, issues like that. Like, I'm kind of surprised that a movie of this vintage handled it the way it did. It's not. It's, it doesn't really make light of it. Like people are mean to Jimmy. Like right. you see that in real life. Like that's how people act. You know, yeah. over the autism. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of cruel mm-hmm. sometimes. But like you don't. It doesn't feel like the movie itself is picking on of Jimmy. It's the people within the movie, like the people around him, who make his life hard. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you know. So you know, the the awareness of of that has changed so much. You know, we we didn't in eighty eight have. You know any awareness of the spectrum, right? Like that's that's a very you know it's a pretty new concept. Um, they you know in when we were working on the film and creation of it, they referenced um, Tommy a lot. Um, so that's you know there were these kind of similar characters, but yeah, the way it was handled, you know, the 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 way that those people lived in the world, and the way that they were treated. Um, it was just so different at that time, you know. The, the understanding of it was, you know, uh, no, you know, at best, minimal. Um, and, and I still feel like for a
1: movie that's so definitely pinned to a specific time, like, hey, this is right before Super Mario Bros. 3 comes out, uh, the storytelling and the acting, like, all hold up really well. Like, it was... No offense. (laughs) It was very surprising to me to watch it just a couple days ago and be like, "Oh, okay. Like, yeah, this all holds up, (laughs) even in the context of, hey, the Power Glove is out now. If you want to go buy that,
0: and you get that that soundtrack, which is very much like you know drum machines, 1988. It's very much. Oh man, I I love it personally. Oh, I love that. I I love 80s synth music, but it it definitely says this is from that period. Oh yeah.
2: Oh, so specific. There's there's Mm -hmm. new kids. There's two new kids on the podcast, which is so awesome. Um, Send Me an Angel, which is such a great, rad, the best song. It's a, I, I love the music so much, that's definitely part of why I get sucked into the
1: movie. Wasn't Send Me an Angel also in the movie Rad, the BMX movie? Oh yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Because I was like, I remember this being in a different 80s movie about a, uh, a very popular thing. But you know, was it a montage?
2: That's what I want That's what I want to know. Was it also a montage song?
1: Well, it's. It's in the dance number where they're dancing on the BMX bikes, which I think yes. is not a montage, but it is close
0: enough. I think. I love that this movie has a montage. It has <laughs> a, a training montage with Nintendo games. I, like, I that
4: and, I, and, I, know,
0: uh, that never struck me until yesterday as I was preparing for this, and I was like, I can't believe they're doing the montage
2: scene and they're playing like Double Dragon. And the game counselor
1: who shows up that guy with
2: his binders. He's he's buried. That, you know, that's so awesome that that was a profession in 88.
0: (laughs) I I think there were, you know, a million kids who played video games and their parents were like, I I see this here in your Nintendo power. You can call these guys, that's going to be you
1: someday. (laughs) And then the internet came along and once again, the internet has ruined us all.
2: (laughs) I mean, those games were so hard. I I don't know if I, I, I can't remember specifically, but I think that I called it at a, at a certain point, because I was like, I'm stuck, I can't, you know, what do I do? And there was no internet, there's no, you know, if your friends haven't played the game, what do you do? Oh. And God damn it, it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like 75 cents a minute or $1. Yeah, It was crazy, yeah. it was crazy.
0: So, the most important question I think, you know, we have to ask you is looking back at The
2: Wizard, all the games in there, which one's your favorite? <laughs> um, Man, Contra! I was always so partial to Contra. Uh, I, you know, man, I destroyed that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I think most people would expect posts from Mario
0: Three because that was kind of the big game. But, but yeah, Contra. That, the NES version of that game is better than the arcade version. That's it's one of those rare, <laughs> rare, rare experiences where you know owning it at home was better than playing it. In a, the oh,
2: totally. Well, it was a, you know, it was a hard game, and it was pretty important to have your secret thing and 30 lives in order to get to the end, and man, if you could figure that out, if you were in on that secret, poorly kept secret, the game was so fun, oh my god, I mean, you know, I'm going to go home and play it and play it. <laughs> 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 I'd love that game so much,
0: love it. Do you have any other, uh, like, favorite anecdotes or experiences from working on The Wizard? I mean, you've you kind of touched on things and you said, you know, most of your memories are homework, but but I feel like, you know, surely there must have been, you said you went to a lot of different places in Nevada, North California, just like, I don't know, like, in all of the time you spent filming, like, what really stands out to you? It's like, I love this moment, I love doing
2: this. Um, you know, being being on the back lot at Universal was, was really fun. I, you know, I I had taken the tour. I had ridden the um, King Kong ride, which is so so awesome. It's gone now, but it was it was really great. Um, I mean, you know, that's that's definitely one of the coolest things about working on a you know big studio film is you know you get to kind of be around all the, all the stuff that's happening. So so Backlot at Universal was was great, and and you know getting to go down into the ride and. Uh, you know the, all the weird little stuff they do they, you know have colored lights and flames and all this stuff and to, to get to go down into it and actually see it was was really awesome um, you know that and, and being in arcades and uh, <laughs> you know the times when they would actually let me play video games was the best um, <laughs> um, I don't know there's, there, you know there's so much stuff that comes up for me when I when I watch the movie you know I mean a, a, every frame almost that you know is a, a memory it triggers you know all kinds of stuff um, you know all the all the people that were around and uh, I don't know I mean I should I should probably watch the movie and at some point and just take notes you know of all this the annotated wizard right <laughs> know, of all the you know of all the all the weird experiences and tricky people and I mean you know just so much fun stuff the guys you know the guys who who track us down and beat up Fred um, they're you know they were sort of supposed to be you know punks those guys were so nice they were just like the (laughs) nicest guys in the world you know Um, I remember one of them was like a gymnast kind of thing and he could just do a standing backflip I was like wow that's the coolest thing ever this guy you know and then, you know, roll the take and we're like, enemies. <laughs>
0: Acting is weird. <laughs> so how much of the movie was filmed on location, like around
2: California, and how much was filmed actually at Universal? Uh, all, all of it is basically on location, in the sense that when we're on the back lot at Universal, we're supposed to be on the back lot at Universal. Um right. So for like the the video Armageddon or whatever at the end, which which was on the you know was on a the stage. They you know they dug I mean, you out. got like Wolfman up there. It's one of the you know, the universal Monsters. Yeah, right. Um, you know they they did fudge a little bit. The tour definitely doesn't go by that at that time. I, you know everything's changed, but at that time the tour never went by there. And you know this was like a you know back corner of the lot. <laughs> Nobody goes, but they, you know, they built out that whole thing, um, and it was, you know, I mean, it was super cool. Um, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was neat. It was neat to be, you know, uh, you know, on on the back line at that time. <laughs> that part, you know, King Kong might burn down. It's really sad. Come on. <laughs> also, that earthquake ride. I remember the earthquake ride on the on that tour. So cool. You're in like a train station, and if, you know, earthquake happens. It all starts like falling apart. It's very cool. It's all gone now. <laughs>
0: all right, that seems like a great place to end. So, thank you, everyone, for coming to the panel. Um, thank you, Luke, for taking the time, We're coming all the way here from what? LA. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think it's so, yeah. a bit of a bit of a trip. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we can uh, yeah pick your brain a little bit about this movie. Um, so just to kind of wrap up, you know, Retronauts. Podcast. You can listen to us weekly, actually more than weekly. Uh, download us on iTunes or retronauts.com. We'd love to have you listen to us. It'd be awesome. Follow us on Twitter. Do all that stuff. Yada yada yada. Luke, um, what, what kind of projects are you working on now? Is there anything you can talk about, or is everything like in development and secret still?
2: Um, there, there are a couple things. Um, I, uh, there's, a, there's a couple. Uh, small roles that I did as an actor uh, for films that are coming out soon. One of them is called The Super um, with uh, uh, Val Kilmer, actually. Um, and um, yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> I have a small role, but it's uh, eventful. Anyway, that's coming out soon. Um, and um, Uh, what else I just uh, a couple of the films that I have produced have come out recently one of them is called uh, Big Bear Uh, really fun comedy Uh, you know a bunch of my friends really cool guys um, who wrote it and made it and um, it's a fun movie Uh, it'll be on Netflix eventually it's kind of doing its uh, you know thing right now Um, what else I don't know maybe that's it Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone we should watch for those. And uh,
1: Chris, of course,
0: thank you for coming and lightening up the conversation. Always a pleasure. Thanks again, everyone. Take, take care.
1: Thank you, everyone.
4: week-long carry-out deal, you can carry out large three-topping pizzas and now medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas for $7.99 each. It's fantastic news. Cut. Cut. Puns? You mean pans? Calling all pan addicts for two layers of cheese on crispy golden crust. So grab your panty packs, because Domino's large three-topping pizzas and medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas are $7.99 each. It's pandemonium. Pantastico. Carry-out only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary.
3: The Mueller Report. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. President Trump was asked at the White House if special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation report should be released next week when he will be out of town. I guess uh, from what I understand, that will be totally up to the attorney general. Maine Susan Collins says she would vote for a congressional resolution disapproving of President Trump's emergency declaration to build a border wall, becoming the first Republican senator to publicly back it. In New York, the wounded supervisor of a police detective killed by friendly fire was among the mourners attending his funeral. Detective Brian Simonson was killed as officers started shooting at a robbery suspect last week. Commissioner James O'Neill was among the speakers today at Simonson's funeral.
1: It's a tremendous weight to bear knowing that your choices will directly affect the lives of others. The cops like Brian don't shy away from it. It's the very foundation of who they are and what they do.
3: The robbery suspect and a man police say acted as his lookout have been charged with murder. I'm Ed Donahue.